0: Well, I'm uh, somewhat reassured to see Michael take some of his papers with him. (laughs) No, I'm old fashioned enough not to trust technology. A lot of preachers preach from iPads these days, but I'm just sure that if I tried to do that, it would lock up right in the middle of my sermon. (laughs) So uh, I do it the old fashioned way, I suppose. Amen. magazine ran an item on what Americans believe about God, how we see God, how we understand and perceive God. And of those Americans who believe there is a God, and most Americans do, 31% believe in an authoritarian God who is angry at sin and punishes the unfaithful or ungodly, 31%. Another 16% believe in a critical God who is unhappy with the world's current state and will enact divine justice. So almost half of those who believe in God view Him as authoritarian, critical, angry, unhappy, Presumably eager to condemn and punish us when we fail to measure up. On the other hand, only 23% believe in a benevolent God who is reluctant to punish. So which of those is more biblical? All of those incorporate elements of truth to some degree or another. Even Jesus, after all, the one who most completely reveals God to us, drove the money changers out of the temple with a righteous anger and indignation that only Jesus can have. But on the whole I think God's overwhelmingly benevolent and gracious nature is getting shortchanged in the popular conception, in the average perspective of those around us. and. Part of that, I think, is our own fault because we too often think of God in a critical, judgmental, condemning kind of way ourselves. The Time article suggests to me that we're more inclined to view God as a demanding taskmaster who is impossible to please and eager to condemn rather than a loving and gracious Father who takes joy in us and who is eager to pardon us, and eager to forgive us. So eager, in fact, that He allowed His Son to die on a cross in order to accomplish it. And yet, even those of us who know that, and believe that, those who have put our faith in it, we have trouble sometimes accepting the reality that in Christ we are completely forgiven, completely pardoned. And that's precisely the message I want to communicate to you today, that that we are indeed without condemnation if we are in Christ Jesus. I can't say it any better than the Apostle Paul himself does, so I want to read for you a couple of verses from... Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It's a brief passage, so I won't ask you to stand, but listen, if you will, as I read these verses for us. The Bible says Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law. Of sin and death. Now, that passage begins with the word therefore, a word we understand in some sense. It is a marker of result as an inference from what has preceded. It's frequently used in questions or in the result clause of a conditional sentence. It means so that, or uh, as a result, or consequently. Therefore, and so what it tells us here in this passage is that Paul's words in Romans 8, 1 and 2 are built upon a foundation of what Paul has said in the first seven chapters of Romans. Things like, for example, the universality of sin and guilt that's so clear in chapter 3 the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience that Paul identifies in Romans 2 verse 4, the insufficiency of the law, the necessity of faith in chapter 4, the demonstration of God's love through the cross of Christ in chapter 5 verse 8, the wages of sin versus the gift of God in Christ in chapter 6, identifying with Christ in baptism also in chapter 6, and so on and so forth. There is so much rich material in Romans, the first seven chapters, that if we were to study it today, if we were to talk about all of that, you would definitely miss your afternoon nap today. In fact, we'd have to send out for pizza. But suffice it to say that Paul lays a solid foundation for what he goes on to assert in verse 1 of chapter 8 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. None? None. None whatsoever. None. Zip, zilch, zero, nada, whatever word you can think of to say none, that's how much condemnation there is for believers in Christ Jesus. It says so right here in the text, doesn't it? We believe the Bible, don't we? We believe the Bible is the truth of God. It says right here there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean when we say that? In English to condemn something is to judge it as unfit and of no use. And that meaning can work here. But a very highly regarded Greek lexicon says that the word used here is probably not so much used with reference to condemnation as we typically understand it, but rather to a reference of punishment following sentence. Punishment following sentence. That is, even though we are all guilty of sin, the Bible tells us so. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We know that well. Even though we are guilty of sin, those of us who are in Christ are not condemned for it. We escape that condemnation through Christ. We escape sin's punishment. We do not incur God's wrath. As verse 2 says in Romans 8, we've been set free from the law of sin and death through the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. The law cannot condemn us. We have been released from that through Christ. And that's good news. In fact, that's the gospel That's what Jesus came to reveal to us. That's what the Apostle Paul preached throughout the Roman world. That's what we are supposed to proclaim to those beyond these walls. Jesus Christ came to set us free from that. We don't have to live in fear of incurring the condemnation of a supposedly authoritarian and critical God. And by the way, that's not really His basic nature anyway. And that's not to say that we can live as libertines, as scofflaws, disregarding what God tells us is the best and right way to live. God forbid. You know, back in chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is talking about how our sin magnifies the grace of God. And he asks that rhetorical question, well, shall we continue in sin then so that grace may abound? God forbid it, he says, in the strongest language possible. God forbid. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? No, that's not what the lack of condemnation means at all. We still have obligation to follow the Scripture and the Word of God. We aren't to enslave ourselves to sin just because we're under grace, but grace has set us free from the law and its condemnation. We no longer have to worry every single moment of our lives if we're transgressing against some small jot or tittle in the law, as others do. I read once in USA Today about an article uh, uh, that spoke of the desire of some Orthodox Jews in Southern California to put up a symbolic wall of fishing line to enclose about four miles of beachfront on Venice Beach in order to get around some of their Sabbath restrictions. Within the the symbolic enclosure, Orthodox Jews would be free to do certain things that were forbidden outside of the home on the Sabbath. Things like uh, pushing strollers or carrying bundles. On the Sabbath, the law prohibited doing that outside the home. They could only do it in the home. So the way around those restrictions is called an eruv, a Hebrew word for the symbolic extension of an area considered private into the public domain. An eruv is often created by stringing a line between man-made and natural landmarks to create an unbroken enclosure. And believe it or not, there are more than a hundred of them winding through major U.S. cities, including Los Angeles and New York. And the California project, if it it had been approved, was to cost $20,000. A cost to be borne by the Jewish synagogue there so that they could string a fishing line around four miles of beachfront so they could go to the beach on the Sabbath without violating the letter of the law. Now do you suppose... God is pleased by something like that? It entirely misses the purpose of the law. God gave it to us to reveal our sin to us so we could turn away from it, so that we could repent, turn to Him, be saved. Not to be a stern taskmaster uh, condemning us if if we cross one little fishing line outside of our home. Certainly, that kind of legalism is not God's intent. Jesus said so. Jesus taught us that. Yet, even Christians who should know better are inclined to fall into the traps of legalism. I've done it myself. When I was a boy, some of you will remember this on our offering envelopes, we had check boxes. You remember those? And uh, one of those check boxes was Bible read daily. So when you turned in your offering on Sunday you were were to check which of those boxes, you know, attending worship, Bible read daily, uh, etc., etc., and I always checked that box Bible read daily because I always read my Bible daily. Except some days late in the day I would realize, oh no I haven't read my Bible today. So I would open up to wherever I was reading and I'd read one verse, and then I could go to sleep. And in good conscience, I could check that box on Sunday morning, Bible read daily. Any of you ever do something like that? Any of you willing to admit you've ever done something like that? (laughs) Well, I did, and many of us do in one way or another. And then we want to look down our noses at others because they didn't check that they'd read their Bible every day this last week. And that leads me to say this, if our... Brothers and sisters in Christ are without condemnation before God, then what in the world makes us think that we can condemn them? God is their master, just as He is ours. And Jesus told us, with what manner you judge, that will be how you are judged. And yet we, we do it. If God doesn't condemn them, why do we? Well if we're honest we want grace for ourselves and justice for everybody else. Those in the church and those outside the church. We want them to experience what justice demands, but we want grace. But that's not the way it works. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What part of no condemnation do we not understand? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you repeat that with me? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now underline that in your Bible or highlight it in your iPad, whatever the case may be. Because there is no condemnation, none. None whatsoever for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, don't miss that last phrase. That's the key to the whole thing. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. You see, Christ is the supreme example of God's benevolent nature. God is indeed the highest authority in the universe. He stands above all, He is holy, He hates sin. But the reason He hates sin is because of what sin does to the people He loves. That's why God hates sin. His love for us is boundless, even in our sin. That's why God wants to rescue us from it. You've heard me quote this verse countless times, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting to catch us stepping over a fishing line so that He can condemn us to hell forever. He's waiting for us to turn away from the misery we find ourselves in because of our sin and look to Him for salvation. To put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved, to escape that condemnation. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't want to condemn us. He wants to save us. That's why He sent Jesus in the first place, and Jesus Himself tells us so. Let me read some very well-known words of Jesus to you now, if I may. Jesus told Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. And whoever believes in Him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God of God's one and only son, God's only provision for humankind's salvation. If we trust in Christ, if we are in Christ Jesus, we escape condemnation. There is none for us that happens by faith. Whoever believes in Christ is not condemned, Jesus said. That's a trust a trust that His sacrifice is sufficient for our transgressions, a trust that Jesus was who He claimed to be, that Jesus does have the power to save, that Jesus has conquered death, that Jesus did rise from the dead, and that He can preserve us for eternal life as well. When we trust in that we are in Christ Jesus. We don't escape condemnation by somehow earning God's favor. We escape condemnation by trusting in God's Son. Christ took the punishment for us, for our sin on the cross. That sacrifice becomes effective in us in a personal way when we put our faith and trust in Him. In Christ we escape condemnation. In Christ we are set free from the law of sin and death. In Christ we experience the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts And that begins to change our behavior and our attitudes, making us more like Jesus day by day. I've said it before, as many others have. We don't get better in order to get saved. We get saved in order to get better. In Christ we receive a new identity that inspires us to live the kind of life that reflects our identity as a member of God's household, God's family. And anyone can enter that family. It doesn't matter what your sin may be. We talked last week about the Apostle Peter who did the worst thing a person could possibly do. He denied his Lord Jesus Christ. Not once, not twice, three times. And yet God Saved him, turned him into one of the pillars of the church. The Apostle Paul speaks of himself. He says, it is a trustworthy saying that Christ died to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's how Paul saw himself, as the very worst possible sinner. So he used himself as an example, saying essentially, if Christ can save me, He can save anyone. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, where you come from. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are in the family of God and you escape all condemnation through that. Craig Barnes is a longtime Presbyterian pastor and author who is President Emeritus of Princeton Theological Seminary. These days he just uh, preaches and does interim pastorates. He's retired. But he tells a story about when he was a boy, his uh, father was a minister, and one day his father brought home a 12-year-old boy named Roger, and Roger's parents had died as a result of a drug overdose. He came out of a terrible background and was in desperate need. There was no one to care for Roger, he says. So his parents decided that they would just raise Roger as if he were one of their own sons. And so he says, at first it was very difficult for Roger to adjust to his new home, an environment free of heroin-addicted adults. Every day, several times a day, he said, I heard my parents saying to Roger, no, no, that's not how we behave in this family. No, no, you don't have to scream or fight or hurt other people to get what you want. No, no, Roger, we expect you to show respect in this family. And Barnes says, in time, Roger began to change. Now, did Roger have to make all of those changes in order to become a part of the family? No. He was made a part of the family simply by the grace of my father. But did he then have to do a lot of hard work because he was in the family? You bet he did. It was tough for him to change, Barnes says. He had to work at it, but he was motivated by gratitude for the incredible love he had received. Barnes says, do you have a lot of hard work to do now that the Spirit has adopted you into God's family? Certainly, but not in order to become a son or daughter of the Heavenly Father. No, you make those changes because you are a son or a daughter. And every time you start to revert back to the old addictions to sin, the Holy Spirit will say to you, no, no, that's not how we act in this family. So have you become a member of the family? Have you made that step? Have you put your trust in Christ? Have you stepped out of that condemnation that sin brings into the forgiveness and the redemption and the life that can only be found in Christ? If not, then I exhort you to come to Christ today. Be set free forever from the law of sin and death and from the condemnation that the world outside of Christ rests under. Would you pray with me? Father, how grateful we are for the gospel, the good news that you have provided for our forgiveness and salvation through Christ and His cross. And I pray, God, that we might be reminded of that, that there is no condemnation. May we we never think that we are not good enough For you and your kingdom. You have pronounced us so. You have made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through Him who knew no sin but was made to be sin for us. And I pray, God, we might not forget that, that we might not beat ourselves up when we fail, but that we might remember that we have a great God and a great Savior. one who has given us a great salvation. God, I pray that you might bring your salvation into this place today. For your glory always, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.